Hey everybody, it's Mitchell Reichert, CEO of June Group. June Group, in partnership with the ANA, has produced this series of podcasts where we talk to some of the brightest stars in digital advertising. I sat down with Mark Pritchard, CMO of Procter & Gamble, to talk about some of the major issues confronting our industry and some of the things that keep him up at night. It was a terrific conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Let's start with a little bit about your role at P&G. Tell us what your day-to-day -day is like. Oh, geez. Day-to-day. Um, -day. Most days, uh, there's, there's no uh, one kind of day. Um, they're, they're all uh, some, somewhat different, but they, they revolve at least around similar, similar things, focusing on uh, ensuring that, that our uh, brand building is the absolute best because that's our ambition. We want to be the best at brand building, uh, any brand, in any industry. So that means focusing on the highest level of creative quality. I just spent uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in New York for the week with crea on creative reviews with every one of the agencies. So going through the brands, making sure that, you know, really more inspiration than anything else. Uh, I just got back from Silicon Valley. So that was a uh, meeting with uh, Google and Facebook and Twitter and Snap and, and all the other um, uh, key players out there on the, the one, because that's a major level of capability. I spent a lot of time just recently with ANA. So we were focusing on the media transparency activities. Um, I've got a chief creative officer meeting in a couple of weeks where it, it's focused on uh, see her so we can promote gender equality. So there's a, you know, a lot of different things. And then, of course, there's day-to-day -day fire drills that you always got to deal with when a business is in trouble. Or uh, I also have responsibility for communications. So uh, there's always something going wrong. So. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we are just talking about that. So the idea of a brand, it's, it's this enduring concept. And yet we're in the midst of so much change as the steward of so many beloved brands around the world. In general, how does one take a, a, an old-fashioned concept like a brand and, and bring it into this new communication era? Well, you know, the thing about it is that, that brands are, are, that have great equities are very much enduring. Uh, literally just going through our top 25 brands in the U.S. and, and defining, you know, and looking at what consumers rate them and, and what rank they are, and, uh, you know, you'd be astounded at how many of them are number one. Um, what happens with brands is that uh, you have to ensure that you're always building trust with the consumers, so and you're staying top of mind. And the way the way you build a brand and you make sure that it's going to be enduring, like a Pampers or a Tide or a Crest or a Pantene or Head and Shoulders or Downey or Dawn or you know, Gillette or uh, Vicks, is you have the absolute best product. So it has to be the best, especially in the categories in which we compete. You know, we compete in everyday daily use uh, categories, um, but performance matters. Pe people care about uh, the performance, and they're not they're they're willing to switch if you're not the best. Well, branding um, is not advertising, right? Branding is is the entire package. That's exactly, and that was that's it. Number one is the product perform. Number two actually is is the package is is the package. Right. Um, a, an appealing package. That package is in your home every single day. You're interacting with that package, so it better be a nice package. The communications part of it, the advertising part of it, is, is, is really communicating the promise of the brand, but doing it in a way that tells the, the consumers that you're reaching that you really understand them, you understand their lives, you understand what they want, and then that promise is paid off when they actually use the product. Um, they also need to make sure that it's in the retail environment, that, that the, it's easy to shop, they can find it, 
whether it be online or, or in a physical store. So all, and then of course, you know, the price you pay for it has to be a good value. That's how brands, how brands grow. And whether they be a small brand or a startup brand or a large brand. And the way big brands stay big is they consistently deliver on those, on those five areas that I just outlined. Amazing, love that. So there's all these technological and cultural changes happening around us. How does that affect how you hire and how you build teams within P&G? Well, the marketing world is, is in probably one of the biggest shifts that we, we may ever see in, in, um, uh, in our lifetimes at least. You know, the, the digital world that, that transformed in the past 10 years, I think will pale in comparison to what's going to happen in the next five years. Um, so uh, because what is now happening, I was just talking to somebody very interesting, which was um, five or six years ago, we had a little project we called Brand Building 2020, which was, and the, the, the headline of it was, was we were focusing on building one-to-one -one relationships with consumers. Um, of course, on a mass scale. Five, six years ago, it was too early because the technology wasn't there, the data wasn't there. Well, now it is. So now we need people who are going to be uh, well, understand data, understand analytics, understand how to build brands. And that means you're going to have to bring in people who can, who can do those things. Work with data scientists as well as with agencies. So um, the kind of people we'll, we'll, we're bringing in, though, it's, it's almost less about their functional skills and more about their brain power, their, their ability to think, their ability to think with their left brain and their right brain and then integrate the two things. And then also incredibly um, ambitious in an ambitious way in terms, not so much about you know, getting promoted, mm -hmm. but about making things happen. And um, a little bit like you told me just before this, which is successful people are really busy and because they keep going, and that's the kind of people you're looking for. You're looking for people who have that kind of chutzpah. Amazing. So sticking with this theme of people, tell us how a more diverse and equal workplace helps fuel business. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's so imperative because um, d diversity creates diversity of thinking, and, di and diversity of thinking creates creativity, and creativity creates innovation. You can't win if you have a homogenous um, environment. So that's why diversity is just one of our foundational elements and it's one of our major, major efforts. The, the thing that is still challenging is, is equality. While we, while we have, um, uh, may have some level of diversity, there's still things that aren't equal. There's still not equal representation of men and women. And we want equal representation of men and women. Um, we need at least a proportionate representation of, of African Americans and Latinos and Asian Americans. So we need that diversity and it needs to be, and then they need to have equal opportunity, equal um, uh, uh, roles, equal pay. Mm -hmm. um, you need all those things. And, and that's one of the reasons why we push so hard around trying to eradicate anything that gets in the way, of which bias is the, the most prevalent way that gets in the way. Another thing you guys have been prominent in, in fighting or championing, and, and I think the industry should thank you, is transparency and viewability and so forth. Tell us a little bit about some of the progress that you think the industry has made, in part because of uh, your efforts. 
Well, you know, f um, I would I would really want to give a huge amount of credit to Bob Leedy's uh, the A and A and the efforts that they've really pioneered for several years on on this whole whole thing. And I think last year was when it kind of came together in in a, in a bit of a galvanizing force, yeah. focusing on one viewability standard, um, uh, third party MRC uh, accredited measurement verification, tag certified fraud prevention, transparent agency contracts, and brand safety. Mm -hmm. And the point was, we need that because, and if we don't get that, then we're going to vote with our dollars. What happened over the course of the last year is we're probably 90% of the way complete. With, uh, and, and the players stepped up, I have to say. They, they stepped up, but what most important was is that the CMO stepped up, the marketers stepped up, and demanded that. So. Now we have transparent data. So we have what we need to make good, we have better uh, data to make better business decisions. And we're getting the MRC audits that basically will confirm that the third parties that are giving us that data, it's, it's valid. So I, I feel pretty good about the progress we've made. I will tell you though, it's shined a light on what's next, which is what's next is we've got to really take back control of the industry and really get into, you know, um, a new ways of marketing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I could talk all day with you about this stuff. Uh, one last question for yeah. you though. Give us some advice for other people in your chair uh, from what you've learned. What would you say to a CMO of a smaller company or somebody new to the role? There's two things that I would say, um, and, it, and, it, and it relates back to the discussion that we just had as we move out of transparency and into what's next, um, the, uh, which is essentially a, a disruption of mass marketing as we know it, reinventing media, advertising, and even agency relationships. What I would say is that take control. Take, take control of the situation. There's far more tools to allow us to do that with data, analytics, and technology. Mm -hmm. And it's imperative for marketers to take control of, of their brand and, and really don't accept all the touches in between you and the consumer. Identify how you strip away all those touches to make it frictionless, frictionless between you and that consumer so you can then make sure you build that relationship with that consumer to drive your business. That's, that's the m number one piece I would say people in, in, and people in the CMO position have to do that. They have to get, they got to get their hands on the wheel, they got to get their hands on the keyboard, um, and then they have to help others be able to do the same thing. And then the second one I would just say is that, you know, really focus on um, there's probably three things. One, second is, is, is using your brand as a force for good mm -hmm. because the consumers are expecting that now. They're expecting brands to be a force for good. Does that mean taking sides in some of these debates? You know, I think it's, it, it is to some extent. It's, it's taking a point of view and, uh, you know. Um, it's we, risky, right? It's, yeah, you have it because, and it's risky but what and, and how you mitigate that risk is you make sure that it has something to do, it's authentic because it has something to do with your brand or your business. When, when it's not, I mean, like a girl, which, which we did on Always, mm -hmm. feminine protection brand that women use when they, when they enter puberty, it's about confidence and confident protection. Confidence is one of the biggest erosions of, of, of young, uh, or erode, confidence erodes with young girls when they enter puberty and it's because of insidious phrases like like a girl we shined a light on that and and switched the mentality um, for for people uh, so 19 percent of people thought like a girl was positive before now it's 76 percent think it's positive changed mindsets but that made sense for that brand 
Um, we have another brand called My Black is Beautiful, and we just did a, uh, a, 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 an ad called The Talk, which talked about the racial prejudice that, that, um, uh, that African Americans um, face and the talk that their parents have with their kids about that. Um, because it was part of the My Black is Beautiful platform, it made sense mm -hmm. for us to be able to do that. Um, now, we took some heat because there were some that said, mm, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not right. Um, but we stuck with it. And so what you have to do is really decide what are the places that you're going to stand up for and does it make sense for your brand or for your company to do that? If so, then um, that takes care of the risk. That doesn't mean that you won't take heat every once in a while. So it's, you, you've got to make sure you stand up for your convictions. Mark, such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank All you right, so much great. for taking the time with us. Thank you.